Welcome, everybody, to Way of the Blade, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Schneider, author of Way of the Blade, 100 of the Greatest Bloody Matches in Professional Wrestling History, and a writer on the Saguna Kaida blog. I am pleased to be joined by Matt Whittle, uh, lead singer, songwriter, and guitarist for the band Seagulls, and a longtime wrestling fan as well, and uh, a pleasure to have you, Matt. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your sort of background, both as a wrestling fan and as a musician, before we get into the match we're talking about today, which is ROH versus CZW, uh, Cage of Death, uh, which is a match you were at live, right? Yes. Um, As far as how being a musician and being a wrestling fan tie together, um, I'm not... I'm not sure how to make that connection, I guess. It's, it is cool when you're at a venue where you've seen both wrestling and either, you know, seen a show or performed. Like, uh, I saw a Chikara show at the Trocadero in Philly. That was a really cool, like, I'd seen so many bands there um, growing up. Um, but as far as uh, growing up a wrestling fan, it was like, um, so I'm in the Philly area, so we got uh, ECW on the local, like, uh, GTW48 was the channel. And... Um, after that, after ECW ended, um, we got CZW on their <laughs> fake UTV, the cleverly titled. Oh, sure. So that, that would, would that have been like your Zandig area era CZW, like uh, yes. Justice Pain and oh, yeah. pre-prison Nick Gage, all those guys. Oh, long before prison, he was a young. Yeah, he was <laughs> the young stud. Yeah. Um, but I, I had this one – so we would, like, download CZW clips on Kazaa at the time. That was the, the thing to do, you know, Ruckus doing crazy stuff or um, the Pyramid of Hell. That was a widely, you know, disseminated sure. clip on Kazaa. It was like a big stack of flaming tables. But uh, one day I remember – I have this clear memory of my dad from upstairs. It's like, you got to put on 48, Channel 48. It's like they, there's a guy under chairs and they lit the stack of chairs on fire. And I think it was – I think it was Zandig doing it to Z-Bar. I'm not 100% sure. Oh, my God. Um, but from then on, it was like, oh, yeah, I need to, I so need to watch. So how old were, were you as, uh, um, as a young man influenced by the scummiest of CZW televised? Or like... uh, probably 13, 14. It was like junior high. Oh, um, my God. And uh, we, um, around that point, it was also crazy because, like, yeah, being in the, the Philly area, you're kind of spoiled wrestling-wise. I guess it's just, you know a hotbed for, for the indies. At least it was not really now, I guess, New Jersey, it's kind of, um, but at one point that local channel I was talking about had a different indie promotion on every night of the week. So it would be like ring of honor one night, uh, XPW, um, NWA Wildside, some sleazy wow women of wrestling or glow mm-hmm. glow with two O's. Or two, or two there was movies. a glow with two O's glue, I, or maybe it was <laughs> maybe it was Wow with two O's. I don't know that one. I didn't I didn't tune in on Wednesdays or whatever that was. And uh, and then CZW was also another night. Um, and uh, or did I say NWA Wildside? That was one yeah. night too. Yeah, it was so just tuning in every night, like taping it and stuff, trading the tapes. That that was that was big at the time for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how I got on that tangent, but yeah. Yeah, so how did, and you started going to show? How old were you when you started going to shows? Like, would um, your dad so that, take you to ROH or CZW shows? <laughs> so that was another thing is, like, we didn't go to shows for a while, which is pretty weird. It was me and my older brother, mostly, that we would go. And the first one that we went to was actually in this period, in, like, the CZW versus ROH period. 
they had like an afternoon night doubleheader at the arena, which was like, I think, uh, yeah, three or four months before this one. And so my brother and I grew up wrestling fans together and I still have like a pretty clear memory of like we walked into the arena and the way it used to be set up, it was like you couldn't see the ring when you walked in. It was like sort of, I don't know, it was obscure. There was like a wall when you would walk in diagonally. And I just remember hearing someone like take a bump, like a boom in the ring. And me and my brother just looked at each other. And it was, <laughs> I have a very clear memory of, of experiencing that. I think it was like, you just don't realize that wrestling is that loud until you're there. Sure. Seeing it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a, a generation or so older than you, so I, I think my first shows were at the Oakland Coliseum, like WWF shows in the Oakland Coliseum, mm-hmm. like Hogan and and uh, you know King Kong Bundy and the you know uh, Andre the Giant and Jesse Ventura and those guys, and uh, that was sort of my. And then I started getting really into uh, the NWA a little after that, mm-hmm. so like Flair and Dusty and. And uh, I, I mean, I, I it a joke that it's like it's a miracle that I'm as like a, a well-adjusted, nice husband, considering like my male role models growing up were like Ric Flair and Too Short, which is like a, <laughs> that's a rough pair of of like male role models to do to like address uh, relationships with women. It's not great, but that's uh, uh, those are a pair of uh, you know all-time icons. But that's toxic masculinity right there. Sure. Ric Flair too sure. short, no doubt. So yeah, uh, I mean, in wrestling, it's it, I, I, toxic masculinity reigned supreme for decades. Yes. So I guess it's. Uh, I mean, like my friend, I, I still would uh, you know before COVID would go to GCW and and stuff out here in the East Coast. And uh, one of my friends said once, "Is like what? What is this bloodlust that you have? Like what? What is? I mean, look, you've heard our music. It's fairly peaceful. I mean, it's just like you would associate most wrestling." Music is usually like (laughs) metal metal or, or, yeah, or, uh, you know, heart punk. Yeah, you're much more. How would you describe your music if you had to, like, what, 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 uh, um, if record stores were a thing that still existed, what you you would (laughs) would be indie rock, pop, jangle pop? I'm I'm comfortable with indie rock. I I think there's, um, if uh, usually a, a good touchstone is Death Cab for Cutie, I guess as a comparison. Um, I heard but, it and thought War uh, War on Drugs was something that, that I heard some sure. of. I don't know if you get sure. they're, they're Philly guys too, right? Yes, yeah, best friends with them, know them super well. No, no, no not not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I don't know. So, how did you? So we'll, we'll we'll get into this match in a second. But how did you sort of get into mute? Like, how what was your sort of musical? introduction like how did you get into bands what was your first was this is seagulls your first band or did you have a band before that um no i played in other bands growing up um as far as getting into music um i gotta you know credit the internet just like i was saying with wrestling with getting kazaa for clips of you know ccw is like i sort of came of age when file sharing was like you know <laughs> like i remember uh you know being in the computer lab at school and we all had Napster, like downloading stuff like at school. And it's like, okay, like, <laughs> yeah, that, I would assume stuff like that doesn't really happen now. Um, so that was, I had a temp job. I was like in my twenties and I only would do it this time. I was like, you know, a lot of times with temp jobs, it's like you have maybe 45 minutes of work for the eight hours you're there or something like that. So yeah, sometimes been, real jobs too are like that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes real jobs are that like, they, absolutely. Temp jobs definitely because they don't want to give yeah. you too much to do because like, especially if you're there for like a couple of months replacing somebody, they don't really, you don't want to like do too good of a job and they realize, oh, wait a minute, uh, Melinda doesn't do anything. 
Because we had this person come in and then like and they kept asking for more work to do. And like, why are we paying Melinda forty-eight thousand dollars a year to this? So it's like I always felt there was kind of like a uh, unspoken code to not to just do the amount of work you're given and ask for no more. Like yeah. otherwise you're kind of a dick. <laughs> and it's also like a weird balance of like, do I knock this out in the first 45 minutes or do I make it seem like I'm stretching this out over the course of the day? Yeah. Yeah. My, I, my, my old temp thing would be like, well, once I first got there, I have to spend like, I haven't had a temp job in a long time, but like when I was in my twenties, spend the first couple hours looking at the internet, right? Sure. I'm not doing any work before lunch. And that's like, <laughs> go, to, go to lunch and then you'd work for like an hour or two. And that's like, like. You know, it's only I'm only gonna be here for another couple hours. I can't do it for this last hour. So I was that was always my window was always from like the one if I was working at nine to five, it'd be like one thirty to three is what I'm yeah. gonna do the work that they have to give me to do. Making uh, but, yourself seem really stressed just yeah, by having oh, to do yeah, that. Gotta do this. Oh geez. I, I think I can get to this today. Um and then yeah, but then I was, those were like the, the my temp job days were the days where I'd just be on Napster, like just, you know, downloading every you know, Atmosphere album and every like Sunday's <laughs> Best album and every uh, oh Sun- je- Sunday's Best, Sunday's yeah, let's jealous go. sound and you know like all like the whole that period of like two thousand, you know, oh man, uh, yeah, it was huge. Aesop Rock, I had like a big, big run where I just did download everything and then how you know sometimes you get a song and it's like oh that actually is just somebody put that up as a fake song. Oh yeah, that's not, I mean, that's not the actually of, like fake Weird Al stuff. Is like <laughs> <laughs> it's just like some morning zoo crew. Yeah. Just disgusting song that gets poor Weird Al, you know. Get <laughs> a big rough run of it. Um, <laughs> so you see, you said that, and that's how you started. And then you started. We're in a couple of bands, and this is the one that kind of got you know some traction, right? Yeah, I think it, it's just like um, of all the stuff that I've worked on in the past, this is the band. Um, I mean, our first record was about seven years ago at this point, but I can still listen to it and. Um, I recognize that it's a younger me, but I still feel like, okay, I'm proud of this. I can show this to someone. Stuff before that, it's just sort of, I don't know. That's more of a personal issue of trying to, you know, be proud of your art or comfortable with it or something. But uh, this, I'm, I'm definitely still, uh, we're still working with this band and uh, excited to put things out in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was it a big disruption. Uh, I mean, how much, how much time were you spending touring before COVID? Um, so we would pretty much do, um, like, uh, just little runs of shows. Um, nothing, nothing too major. Most of us have, have, so it would be like, you know, we would carve out a little, a little three or four day run here or there. Um, but, uh, I mean, definitely, obviously COVID disrupted things. Um, we did some, some streams, that sort of stuff online, um, but uh, we we had to get good at uh, sharing parts, uh, you know, remotely, obviously, um, which is cool. I like recording by myself uh, rather than having someone sitting there watch you do a take over and over. So in that way, I guess silver lining was I became comfortable recording on my own and, you know, trial by fire, having to figure out how to mix on your own and all that stuff, too. So it definitely disrupted us. But uh, I think I, I learned that I sort of like working alone in a way. That's a I loner isn't necessarily the best personality type for performer, right? <laughs> I like being by myself. Are you the whole idea is supposed to be in front of thousands, yeah. hundreds and thousands of people performing I'm your not, music? Yeah, I'm not some wild front man. I mean, like, we kind of <laughs> play off of that. I mean, like, the music is to some degree serious and, and heartfelt, but, like, we have kind of, like, weird videos and stuff that kind of cut against that. Like, if we 
play this so seriously and straight faced than the, you know, <laughs> weird images and, and audio stuff that we do in between songs, like sometimes do jokes or stuff, then it kind of makes them both work in a way. I don't know. A bit, a bit, you got to have a little bit. You got, it's certainly earnest, right? But you got you have to cut it at least a little bit, right? Yes. You don't want to give them the pure uncut earnestness. Right. It's not necessarily the right move. Yeah. All right. So let's let's. So you said this was one. This era was the one of the, some of the first era that you got into going to live shows. Um, and you said it was the first one the that double header, the CZW versus ROH double header. Was that one of the ones yeah, with Super Dragon, where Super Dragon was just running around the arena beating up fans? That was he's the real missing part of this match, right? I don't know why he wasn't brought okay. in for this. So, one the next show that my brother and I went to after the double header was the hundredth show in in uh, in Philly for ROH ROH's one hundredth show, and there was a crazy six man tag that was the main event CZW versus ROH and Super Dragon, yeah. There somehow it became a thing online that someone said Super Dragon was monkey flipping fans, which that takes so much cooperation from the other guy that I don't know. <laughs> like, did, does that sound familiar at all? Did you? Yeah, see no, that? sure. I, I I think I remember seeing the guy. The guy. I mean. It wasn't a, the guy didn't take like a big straight leg back bump on the monkey flip, but I, I think they kind of Super Dragon kind of took him over. He's a little guy. Super wait, wait. Up. So, oh, okay, all right. I think I if did, I remember correctly, he did grab a guy, kind of monkey flip him. This isn't like an implanted memory that you've. I mean, maybe it is. I, I, <laughs> Just, I certainly remember them talking about that. I thought I remembered okay. the guy. I thought I remembered the guy being like an internet guy who, like, oh, I know that mm. guy. That guy's kind of irritating, understandably, why Super Dragon. Yeah. Yeah, he, I remember thinking or hearing someone like threw water on Super Dragon and he retaliated. Uh, but I mean, a monkey flip scenes. <laughs> like, I mean, this guy, he would, get in, he would get in fans' faces. I mean, he's a guy who did that kind of handsome thing. Yeah, hero too around that time in, in Canada, right? He like yeah. punched that guy. And yeah, yeah. I got shoved by hero once oh, and I nice. was like supporting him. And I think he just felt someone hit him from behind. Like I gave him a like, yeah, like support, and he turned and just knocked me back. I was like, okay. And it was at a Chikara show too. It was weird. Wow, you, you don't usually think of manhandling people at the Chikara show. It was. Did, I mean, I, I mean did you get shoved by an ant too? Ants push you. Manhandle would be stealing valor from somebody who's actually been manhandled <laughs> okay. by Chris Hero. But so yeah, we uh, we went to the hundredth show and. Uh, I mean, the Armory in Philly was just the coolest fucking wrestling venue. Um, like all the, and they they set up the bleachers so that on one side all the CCW fans sat, and the ROH fans were on the other and on the floor. At the hundredth show, Hero came out from the back and like cut this promo and was moving throughout the arena and ended up in the CCW fans like stands at the end, and everyone was going crazy around him like over there. So it was it was this crazy tribalism thing. Um, but I, I also, I mean, we can also talk about this with the match specifically, but it's like, I can't imagine being a fan of one or the other in the way that like, I mean, you paid for an If you're a CZW fan, like you paid for an ROH ticket for the show. And like, I, I don't know, at some point that line is blurred where you're like, I just want to see something cool. You know what I mean? Like you don't, you don't care. Right. But I think so there was a, a lot of fun do, getting into this yeah, and oh, t- yeah. picking a side, right? Like if you go to a, a, if you're a British soccer fan, you like soccer, but you want to yeah. root for the, the team that you're rooting That's for. Right. And, I, and I remember in that period, uh, there was some real like, you know, back and forth between like, you know, online and stuff between fans of this two. Uh, do you remember the, the dudes in the basement? There was that like the CZW fans promo. 
Okay. It's, it's still it's still on YouTube. I mean, it's I mean that it is one of the dumbest, just homophobic. Uh, but I mean, as far as like, you know, playing the role of the fans who are literally in their mom's basement, <laughs> like, cutting a promo on Jim Cornette is. Yeah, it's I mean, still- it, it was, and, you know, the CZW, there was, a, there was a vibe, certainly, between CZW and ROH had this sort of thing of this, I mean, for a promotion that did a lot of, like, bloody stuff, certainly. There's multiple ROH matches in this book, and outside of this one, or at yeah. least one more. And, um, but, you know, they had this kind, that kind of shtick of the, where, you know, the code of honor and the pure wrestling, and this was wrestling, wrestler, wrestlers, and CZW is a bunch of, like, backyarders and, and scum and I there, there was like a real I think there was a legitimate uh, like tri- the tribalism was really there right I think there were people uh, you know from my memories of like mid 2000s internet mm-hmm. back and forth there were CZW people on CZW fans boards and things like that or yeah you, I was I posted on there sometimes yeah and who were very much uh, anti ROH and thought yeah. that they were precious and uh, and and uh, a fa- effete, and then, <laughs> and then the people who are ROH fans who thought CZW fans were for the most part Philly scum, and for the most part they were. I mean, I'm, let's, let's be honest here. Like well, you know, your average CZW fan that was a, that guy was a you know that was a you know a, a kind of a dirt pack. Right? Like, well, I mean, it's, it's funny. Like I, I mean, I was a, I was a fan of both, but like going into them and more so. I mean. I guess I was probably 18 or 19 going into the match, and I think I, I was uh, more of an ROH fan, kind of think that that put on effeteness that you're saying of like, oh, CZW is, you know, that's that's below me. That's, you know, the Kazaa days are. I've put such childish things behind me right. at this point. I, I've moved on to, but um, it's this like is Craig, Brian Danielson and Austin Aries called, are going to wrestle for 90 minutes, and I'm going to appreciate right. it as a fan. It's I'm not gonna, psychology. Yes, exactly. exactly. No, it's called limb work, guys. Lobo <laughs> like, doesn't work an arm. You know, there was, a, there was definitely that, that vibe there. I mean, they, this was the real start of like wrestling as a thing for like nerds, mm-hmm. right? In a way that I don't think wrestling was necessarily a thing for nerds in the eighties, right? Like, right. It, you know, but this was like you know, comic book guys into comic books and guys into you know, D and D and and fantasy novels and. Nerd shit. I mean, yeah, whatever. I'm not like this is not me speaking from a, a different. You know, that's no, but it's nerd a shit in, in my the, life in the too. Base. Yeah, but that isn't what wrestling was in 1986. Sure, but it was really that. It really started to be that in 2005, where you would have like internet. Fly. I mean, the, the Chris Hero thing was like, didn't that? There was like a live journal flame war with Gabe. I mean, it's <laughs> just like you know, it, you yeah. Know. Punk too had the had a pretty famous live journal at the time. Right. I mean, you know. Fuck it, Dick Slater didn't have a live journal. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, there's, there, the wrestling was a, a shifting thing at this point. Um, but it, it was funny, like going into the match. Like I, I think I, I thought of myself as more of an ROH fan, but then I started to, like you know, a couple days before the show, I was like, oh yeah, I was like, wait, Hero, Necro, uh, Claudio. It's like oh, I think I am more of a CZW fan going into this match, and yeah. like. A Steel, like BJ Whitmer, like yeah, they some, yeah, they had some guys in that ROH. I, I mean, I think by sort of, I don't have a lot. Of, I thought this match was, was tremendous, and the feud itself was pretty good. I mean, my issue was, I think the match needed like one CZW scumbag. Yes. Like it, yeah. it didn't need to have. It wasn't didn't, the the CZW team didn't need to be Zandig Lobo. Uh, 
um, Wife Beater and um, and Z Bar. But you needed like one of those guys, right? You needed you needed white just Wife Beater or just well, Nick Cage. Yeah. Right, that's like, kind of the tension, though, is like I think you said this in the chapter in the book is like it was almost a tryout for ROH for these guys. Like the tension is that they're CZW guys, but they're CZW guys that Gabe would book and, and like what he wouldn't put, you know, Zandig and this Zandig and Brian Danielson in the same match. Like, I mean, I, I agree. I think we needed at least one freak in this match more yeah, so. I mean, than, I guess Nate Webb was sort of like that. I mean, he's a guy who, who didn't get booked again, right? Even though I think in some ways he was like one of the real stars of this match. Dude, yes. I think took, the idea was, yes. they, I think Nate Webb got booked at like ROH in like 2015. Or something like that, or 2016. Like Nate Webb got booked at like date and date oh, ROH oh, match. Wait. Like, Didn't he like angrily? He angrily like tweeted something, and then they ended up. He ended up on the show. I might be thinking of a different promotion. Actually, I think, I don't I think there was something. I think there was a thing where ROH booked Nate Webb in like 2017 or something like that. I mean, this hey, is an answerable question. But it is, But I mean, in some ways, <laughs> like as a guy who was very like into into um, like the you know in this whole world, then I thought of a lot of these guys as more like I'd be mid south guys. Yeah, right? like guys like Hero is like an IWM Mid South guy more than a CZW guy. You know, Nate Webb is more of an IWM Mid South guy. Even Claudio. But on the East Coast, it was like this was like ROH. I mean, not just in the East Coast was like the promotion. So it was like right at at, at you know TPIs in the past. You know, Joe and Hero and Danielson they had cross paths. But it's like now for it to be happening in ROH, it's a little it's a different story. You know, 2013 Nate Webb worked ROH. <laughs> Okay. Um, I will also say it's funny, like the the cage of death that they use is like the CZW like yellow one, and they used to just stash it behind the arena, like the 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 South Philly, you know, like the ECW arena, and it would just like you know get rained on and shit. But we would always after shows go back there and like climb on it like idiots. <laughs> <laughs> like, sure. It was just like sitting back there. Like, I mean, you wanted to rain on, like you wanted to get a little rusty, right? You I mean you want to looking a little, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, that's part of the aesthetic of the entire thing is that it looks a little. It looks a little crappy. Um, um, yeah, so and I think the other thing, uh, the other thing is, you know, CZW, I think, kind of dropped the ball a little bit on their end of this oh, feud. At every turn, they. they <laughs> I, I was at that best of the best that was supposed to be like CZW versus Ring of Honor, and that show was like six hours long and and not good. It took forever. Yeah, yeah I remember somehow like it, the feud ended up being like. It ended up being CZW versus ROH turned into Eddie Kingston versus Lobo. Uh, like that's how their feud. Like that ended up being like in the way like how Classic. the ally. I like the WC the alliance stuff. Just oh, ended yeah. up being like representing WCW. Kurt Angle. It's like what? What fucking talking about? Right? Like, well, like, yeah, it was really funny. I mean, after this show, I think the next CZW show in Philly was called Trapped, and the whole show was within the octagon cage yeah. like as if to say like oh ring of honor had a good match like with our cage well, guess what motherfuckers like we're doing a whole show in the cage it was like really just a bad show where uh kevin steen lost a title because he got pinned by his tag partner uh so there's you yeah. know that's just some forward thinking booking right there you don't see you don't see that too often yeah i think i actually reviewed that match that have a like Eddie Kingston was in it, and like there was like a and what's her name the, the Canadian Fist lady, 
The fist out. Yeah, it's not a bad match, right? I remember I watching think it, it like a couple, like a couple, like a year ago when I were doing. We do a complete, net, accurate Eddie Kingston on the uh, on Sakuna Kaida. I think I reviewed that match. That's like, pretty good. It's kind it of a, like, the book was booking like, like was horrible, yeah. but like the I actual work like, in there was like, oh, Justice Payne's pretty good in this match. Right? <laughs> misjudged Justice Payne over these years. It was like Blackout versus the CZW Originals versus Canada or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I did. I did review that match. What about yeah. What about like there were parts of it I really liked. And then, yeah, Generico thought, did that crazy dive to the yeah. off the top of the cage. To the, yeah. 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 I, I came into this shitting on it. Now I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that yeah, match was cool. Bad <laughs> the fist took a couple bumps. Yeah, dead, yeah. Dead. Kevin Steed, you know, it's a guy. Uh, he was a guy. Um, so, yeah, so you had a bunch of like setup of this that was – Good in the ROH side, not great in the CCW side. Um, I think in some ways, I recently, I mean, I wrote about this match uh, in the book, and then I wrote about it again pretty recently for The Ringer. Uh, I did a piece on the ROH, greatest ROH matches, wrote about this match. In some ways, it's like a miracle match, because honestly, the thing about booking in a wrestling match is that it's so... Almost always, the more booking, the worse the match. Like we're talking yeah. about that the the CZW match with Canada versus Black. I mean, that was a perfect example. It's like this guy they had eleven angles in the middle of this match. It's like yeah. completely like uh, you know, somebody who like my nephew. Um, you know, if you if if he eats pizza or fries or something like that, you just like you, you don't just put dip the fries in the ketchup or the ranch. It's like all over them. It's just like a, a, a coagulated mess of fries and pizza with ranch and ketchup. And that's the way like booking is a lot of times in, in wrestling. And this was like a match where the same thing was like so much fucking booking yeah. and it actually worked. And I, I, I don't know how many matches I can remember with this much booking, this much stuff, uh, these many angles in it that actually like they pulled it off. It almost always fucks a matchup. Right. So, um, my knowledge of like war games matches is pretty limited from the past. Um, are they usually like a buck? Because there's so many guys in it that you would think they would pay off all these different, you know, like you're saying book. I mean, they're usually really? Horse- Dusty okay. Rhodes beats up the horseman. Is usually they okay. don't run five turns or anything like that in, okay. in, in like yeah, old school war game matches. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I mean, I think I really remember exactly what. Yeah. So you had a. I, I, I wrote in the thing. It's like the amount of Russo isms in this match. Yeah. Right? You had like. This Nothing was of, on a pole, at least. Yeah. <laughs> but you had like an in you had the the JJ Dillon winning the coin toss is kind of a clearly like a like a smart message board joke, right? Uh, you had like an an in match heel turn, right? Like American okay, Dragon. wait, wait, time, time out. So another another tension going into the match was like Joe was like a TNA guy at this point, and he also had an injury that was a little nebulous. Anytime you would show up in ROH, right? right. I mean, like. He, and like I think uh, maybe a month before ROH, I want to say advertiser. I'm not sure it was supposed to be Joe versus Necro in New Jersey, and then it ended up sort of not, not it ended up being happening. like Necro homicide. I remember that. Yeah, there was, I might there have been at that show because I was like, was Fuck, I got to see Joe Necro, to, you know, at ROH." But Joe was injured, right. and so that was also coming into this match was like. Um, you know, is Joe, can Joe still do this with ROH? And so they kind of weasel him out of the match with Brian, you know, sort of, uh, right. I I didn't even, I forgot about that. That's another bit of like, you know, like weird work shoot shit, right? Like, Oh, you gotta look, they're getting Joe out of this is he can't actually participate in this match because of his contract. You had like two, two surprise entries. 
and I, well, the thing with with Joe and Brian was they were also setting up. They had a title match in the future that ended up being a sixty minute time a time limit draw because that was all of like Brian's defenses for like a yeah. month were all or I guess. They were probably doing one show a month for a few months. You know, it would be like, who's who's doing the time limit with yeah, he's Brian this one? Yeah. yeah, they were – it got a little self-indulgent. A little. <laughs> a that little period with, with the yeah. Angels, they were just like, yeah, okay, I'll look. I remember there was like a rumor at the time that they wanted to do like a special like 180-minute match, but they wanted to invite fans needed to ask for tickets specially so people wouldn't get bored. I, do you remember this? <laughs> <laughs> that does not sound familiar. Yeah, I just like remember. they were going to do air. Was that they were doing? I don't know if it was around this. I can't remember. They did they those log Aries Danielson matches, and the idea was that they were going to do one that was going to be like three hours long. But they but didn't want to. They didn't want to just run it at like a, they're one of their arenas because for the most part, a fan fans would be incredibly bored no matter who the wrestlers are by a three hour match. The idea was that it was going to be a, a special like invitation, like a VIP club to get in to do their three hour match. <laughs> the it's fans, yeah, the than, fans. They needed to consent to have a three-hour yes, match exactly. in front of them. Yeah, yeah, you need, you need promise not to be bored by this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If to get in, I, but I definitely do remember this. Is I, it might have been like a, uh, you know, it might have, that might be apocryphal, but I definitely remember at least something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, like in the post, the rule change, the feuding tag partners. Yeah. You had the heel turn at the end of. I mean, you had the. Three yeah. heel turns and a face turn in the middle of this match. Almost always, this is just an absolute disaster. But it kind of pulled up all of this, right? Like homicide yeah. coming in. When homicide comes in, is like your you know surprise ent- extra ROH guy. I mean, that's a huge moment, right? Yeah, I think the pacing is kind of what allowed all of the ridiculous booking shit to work because it's like, you know, when when Team ROH is at their lowest and there was sort of like an extended period there where Hero is just sort of like talking shit on the mic. They're beating, you know, beating the guys down. The ROH chumps in the ring are getting beat down. And then Homicide's music hits. And then from then to the end of the match, the crowd is just like fucking insane, like just for the rest of it. So it's like with them trying all that weird, yeah, overbooking stuff, like I guess it worked because... Or they knew that that it would work because the crowd was so insane and would just beat all of it up. Yeah, yeah. And Hero was God. Hero was incredible in this match. Yeah. It was like a high, really one of the highlights of his yeah. career is just like a guy. Um, you know, I think the thing about Hero uh, is that um, he's a guy who is um, one of the more most versatile wrestlers like ever. Oh yeah, like he's a guy who just will do completely different things. Like he'll yeah. work you know, on this thing. He was kind of working as like a, almost like a buddy, buddy Landell chicken shit heel. And then he'll work the thing as I'm a guy who's going to knock you out or I'm going to do, I mean, he was doing a thing in uh, NXT UK where he was, I'm the only true great British wrestler and was doing all these <laughs> rounds matches. And it's just like, you know, it, I, there's a period where he was doing all this like really athletic acrobatic, like his tag team with Claudio was like there, they were these like oh, yeah. Rudo bases who would re- re- be incredibly good at taking Rana's and things like that and doing backflips. And then he would do a thing where he's a, you know, guy who's going to knock you out. I mean, just a guy who hit over his career. And I, I'm not sure if his career, if he's retired, he's not wrestling anymore. Um, he hasn't, yeah, he hasn't, since he hasn't he left. said retired, but I, I mean, he might just be leaving it open. I mean, 
he's obviously such a smart guy in wrestling that he kind of would I would assume knows how wrestling retirements go. So, right. so maybe he's just certainly sort of, inactive now and has yeah, been, yeah, has been for the last couple of years. And but I mean, he's got a, you know a great like a really cool resume. Is like a guy who never was a never was a star in any major promotion. The best he got was as a utility guy in these w in these uh, you know WWE C shows. But you know, has done him like you know his resume is pretty great. This was a real high point of a guy who you know really carried his team uh, with his like with that his charisma. Yeah, uh, I mean, a couple years later, you were saying that you know when he was with him and Claudio, they had the tag belts in like ROH, CZW, and Chikara. I think at the same time they would come out with all the belts right. at once. So yeah, it's hard to pick like when he was when he when the high point of his career would have been. I mean. Perhaps it's when he's doing a 90-minute match with Ian Rotten, you know, rolling around in that IWA mid-south ring. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't a 90-minute match. Uh, there, the Ian Rotten match is definitely in my book. The Ian Rotten match is incredible. Wait, uh, the Ian versus Hero one? Yeah. The, pu- the Punk Hero was the one that went 90 minutes. <laughs> You're right. You're totally right. Ian Hero was the those – were, those were all on the map, but they weren't as long. But they were oh, real, dude. Yeah, what is your uh, the meth lab shoot fighting? What is meth, that? Meth lab battle arts. I've got a zine. That's all just <laughs> Ian. It's all just Ian Rotten. <laughs> Ian Rotten uh, uh, working the map matches. Those that all, all of those are incredible. Like oh. Ian. Ian is a guy who's. I'll catch you with those kicks too. Oh god, just yeah. hit you so hard. I mean, those matches are so violent. So much more violent than his stuff with getting put through glass. Like they would way rather get take a bump, a back bump into glass, and take an Ian Rotten shoot headbutt to the face or like a forearm. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, the uh, I haven't done a pod on the Rotten Hero ones. I'm still hoping. I, I want it. I want to do it with Hero. I, I've, he's been a guy oh, I've been yeah. kind of you know exchanging you know DMs with for a while to try to get him lined up to do this. Uh, but yeah, yeah that's the Kingston one, right? The Kingston I Quit or the yeah, Last hoping, Man Standing. Yeah, that's a really great one too. I might. Yeah. Get, I'm, I'm hoping for Eddie on that one. Oh uh, yeah. Again, also sort of with the lot, lots of like yeah, with, with these things, you get a lot of balls in the air, especially when you're dealing with wrestlers, where it's just like, yeah, no, this sounds great. And then, yeah. <laughs> tell them, tell them you had seagulls on the show. And, yeah, you know, no, those, not, those dominoes right? start to fall. Yeah, exactly. You know? Right. That's the whole point. I mean, I, my hope is, like I said, this gets me an entree to the to the world of of jangly indie rock. <laughs> what, what better way? Do. What better way? Um, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would, uh, that's my goal. It's like, can I get a? Can I get like the you know the uh, the basis for the Walkman on here or something like that next. <laughs> That's a good pull. Hoping you would pull his name there. <laughs> I couldn't, get, couldn't get his name. Damn it. I need to do it. It's okay. It's we'll hard. get there. Yeah, you're on Wikipedia right now. Sorry. <laughs> the guy. Um, but, sorry. With, this, with this match, I mean, the version that I watched, which it sounds like we watched the same one, there was no commentary. And like, I don't know if that was uh, the exact way on the DVD. Sometimes there would be two different tracks where you could watch it with the crowd audio or with the the commentary, right? I mean... Yeah, I don't. I, the, certainly, the version I've had is I've seen has had no commentary. I don't remember okay. seeing a version. You don't and miss also, it. it's like commentary on ROH back then, not the past. So it's not like you. I think it. most wrestling commentary is bad and takes away from. I mean, it should try to as much as possible emulate the live experience. I think, and when you have some doofus explaining everything, I don't. know. But like, also, it's like certainly yeah, indie I mean, wrestling commentary for the most part is bad. Yeah. Yeah, and also it's like, yeah, we watched this on YouTube, and you know what? How else are we even supposed to watch it, Ring of Honor? Like, how are we supposed to watch this? How do on they YouTube. want those? They, I think it's their YouTube page, right? Oh, I don't think it was. Okay, oh, whatever. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like, if, if they're not even making... <clears throat> anyway, the best... Uh, 
I guess, okay, here's my insight as a musician. The CCW theme song, incredible. I loved hearing it, you know, Claudio coming out to it. They replaced it a few years ago with, I think, Schlack playing a new version. Major mistake. You need that original one with, like, the MIDI drums, perhaps even Zandig singing. I'm not, I'm not sure. But, I mean, that's a classic. I don't know how they ever replaced that. You know? Oh, yeah. That, that, it's a big... Schlack is a guy you gotta. I think the less schlack, the better, from my experience, from my uh, understanding of schlack as a as a as a. As a hey, uh, what, what did schlack do? What do you? I, don't know. <laughs> I thought he was normal. Yes, I don't know anything. Look, every once in a while, I mean, if you have enough, if you have enough tattoos, I think you just end up hanging out with Nazis, and that's just how it works. Right, like there's a point where it, there's a point where those two things are just gonna overlap. Your tattoos, tat lots no, of. Now you're apologizing for Schlack, no, I understand. That's right, I'm a, no, okay. I'm a Schlack-pologist from so way with back. This, with, uh, something with this match also is that it, it uh, starts with, and uh, honestly, this isn't even something I ever even keyed into with War Games until I heard like Meltzer complain about it every time, is that it starts with the face team has the advantage. The Ring of Honor team, right? Right, which is and, and they lose it quick. I mean, you have to, it. you have, you have to make it, the the handful of times that I've watched a lot of war games. Actually, at one point, I was just watching every all the war games I could watch. I would do like one on Segundikai. I mean, from you know your normal ones to your you know this war games in this indie and somewhere with Mike Jackson doing a cage Hell dive. Yeah. I mean, just any all any war games. There's, you do mention NWA Wild Side. Uh, earlier as this thing you watch on TV though that's a promotion that Cornelia Georgia promotion them or anarchy they've done some incredible war games if you haven't watched the two that I have in my book uh, you should get watch those those are incredible um, I haven't we do a uh, on Scooter Kaida we do a match of the year uh, like a ongoing like a match of the year list for every year what we think our best match was and for a while it was this for 2006 and then it got beaten out by the a war games match from 2006 okay um so that's sort of how we uh that's our uh from uh anarchy war games from 2006 so i don't know what i was gonna say so oh yes so the the, the way you can book a face team winning the coin toss is they have to have almost always they will immediately lose that advantage somehow mm -hmm. right whether in this case it was Danielson and jo turning on Joe and them both being out and all of a sudden now the faces are out I don't think you can work a war games match where the where the heel where the faces keep the advantage for more than a couple of minutes right yeah but that was the idea of the, that, that was the kind of a, the clever thing was they brought in JJ Dillon of course, has never lost a coin toss in a war games match as your as your coin toss rigger. It was kind of an mm -hmm. amusing use of. J I'm a I'm a I'm like a a big JJ Dillon guy. I think he's an incredibly underrated manager. I think he's just great, and it was uh, really fun to see them bring him out. And then his his sort of role in the post match, where he's like you know gleefully handing Jim Cornette shit to hit homicide with. It's really great use of. He, he locked up the cage too, right? Yeah, to keep, uh, yeah. yeah. He just because JJ Dillon is such a piece of shit, and he's like <laughs> like a really great like uh, you know you can say the but like he's the kind of guy like you know upper middle management at some corporation who's in charge of going to the plant and shutting it down. <laughs> that's what JJ Dillon is. It's the guy who shows up at your at your steel plant and says, "You know what? Look, I, we, you know, it's it's we have to 
budget cuts are tough on everybody and then puts the, puts the padlock on the thing and just let people get into their lockers to get their <laughs> shit like they show up at work and J.J. Dillon has locked the plant they go I have pictures of my kid in my lockers look you know it's not it's company property <laughs> yeah he's spraying you with the hairspray like yeah. cornet at the end of this match uh, just yeah, a complete piece of shit he's so great as I mean the idea of him that he was even a, ever a baby face like he's a baby face in this and the idea that you would ever have J.J. Dillon as a baby face even to immediately turn heel is kind of insane um it was also funny like we're just talking about the advantage <clears throat> and the way it ends up i mean um so when brian injures joe brian also just like walks he leaves the match right so we're saying that sort of disrupts the advantage that they had but so it ends up being uh, homicide is actually the sixth member of right. team roh and i remember i, I couldn't I, I couldn't hear it on the video but i remember being at the show and the czw side is saying six on five six on five and it's like <laughs> the CZW fans are like complaining about the rules like (laughs) the famously uh, famously rules consistent yeah somebody think about the rules yeah (laughs) like in the ROH team I mean in A. Steel Adam Pierce and BJ Wetmer are not your absolute elite like that those are three guys I mean I you know God bless all three of them but they've all they've all had moments where I've enjoyed and I think for the most part, Ace Steel and Adam Pierce are really good in this match. PJ Wetmer, you know, is not, I think, great. He gets, he gets some good blood going, though. Ah, he's, a good, he's a good bleeder, but I think <laughs> BJ Wetmer is like the guy's like, I got to do some, I got to do some All Japan suplexes in the middle of this war game. Like, oh, just punch a guy. Punch a guy in the face, BJ. I don't need to see you do, you know, yeah. break out your Akiyama tribute spots yeah. in the middle of a fucking war game match. <laughs> also, swing of blood, rare Claudio blood. I don't think I ever saw him. Any time. I, oh, that's okay, right. Wait. Yeah, he does bleed in this. I don't. I, you're right. I can't really remember him as a guy who bleeds. His hero bleed in this match. He's also a guy who I, doesn't bleed a lot. Although he's in this my book a lot for a guy I don't I, think <laughs> he's, he's got I like four matches in my book for a guy I don't think has done a. I don't remember doing a bunch of a ton of bleeding over his career, but that's been this book a lot. Uh, we um. I would have to check the date on it, but we were at a Chikara show shortly after this, and I remember Claudio had like a headband on because I guess you know in the family friendly Chikara. Well, I mean, the less said about what happened uh, later, the better. <laughs> but at the time, you know, they were family friendly, and I just remember him, yeah, having a, having a headband on, covering up those uh the didn't ones. Want, didn't want an ant to open him up. One of those ants. Not trying to yeah, while he's wrestling like a a bumblebee or something. <laughs> <laughs> This old timey time traveling pirate is gonna open his head up. <laughs> Claudio also did a sick. Um, he was like on the top. He was on the turnbuckle and did like the Batista like Punjabi prison leap to the cage. In this, there was like a contrived spot where like Hero and someone else were like climbing up the cage. Like, why would you, under what circumstance would you be climbing it outside? But then Claudio did the uh, yeah, he did the nice little leap of faith thing. That was fun too. It's just yeah. always nice to see Claudio doing crazy shit at this they, point. They got all. Everybody, I mean, Danielson and Joe were more angly, but yeah. everybody else had moments in this match, really like impressive. I mean, Nate Webb takes like five or six crazy. Nate Webb takes all the bumps, right? Like, when yeah, when when I th- I had this was the first time I'd rewatched this match in a while, and like in my mind when I thought about this match, um, the thing that that came to my memory was both seeing it in person and on video what it looked like when he took that press slam. To the, to the floor through like a table and it didn't break it just sort of turned and so he just completely like aged it on the floor and uh in a loud insanely loud crowd that table and him splatting on the floor it's just i remember that clear as day right he deserved better nate webb like I, the guy who didn't get didn't really get booked very much after this uh like i say worked like 
Mark <clears throat> Briscoe in 2013 apparently worked uh, Flash Flanagan in a four-minute match on a show in 2009 in ROH. I don't remember that at all. I don't remember your Flash Flanagan ROH period at all. <laughs> you remember your yeah, Flash brother. Flanagan ROH period? I like I'm a guy. A lot of time for Flash Flanagan, but um, I, I had a cup of coffee, honor brother. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I, but I, he's a guy who deserves. Like, if you're going to get somebody's going to get booked out of the, out of this match, at least you throw yeah. throw, throw Nate Webb in some scrambles or something. Yeah, um, I mean, it, uh, God, it had to have been three or four years ago, but when GCW first ran New York, he got to perform with Weedus, his Teenage Dirtbag song, and so, yeah, he didn't get booked in Ring of Honor, but he got his little place in the sun eventually, I guess. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, you know. Performing with Weedus. I, I, I got, I, Nate Webb is, uh, Nate Webb didn't answer any of my DMs when I tried to get him on my pod to do this for mm. me. You, you're the you're the Nate Webb, Webb replacement. He's the guy I tried to mm. book. I tried tried. I, I, hey Nate, you know your your DMs are open. I tried no luck from no response from Nate Webb. So you know, but I'm gonna praise him anyway, even if he doesn't want to come on the way of the blade. Apparently, uh, and 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 talk Gotta about protect the business, brother. Yeah, talk know, about he, the he hype. That's a good point. That's right. He can't be breaking kayfabe. Like, yeah, like, I'm sure he's like, so like that down piece of shit, kayfabe. like Steve Kern would do. That's Nate Webb. Guy respects the business. Uh, <laughs> I also really a couple other things. I, remember, I love the fact that Homicide is wearing his J is like old school like Christmas tree deathmatch JPW gear in this oh, okay, match. So like he broke I'm out. Thinking- you're totally right that it's JPW because I was thinking that's kind of a weird touch if he's wearing like his CZW gear from like 04 or whatever, but that's way more JPW. Yeah, it's his, it's the gear it's this gear he used to wear when he when like JPW at one point was a deathmatch promotion, and he wore his like you know he wore his JPW breaks out the fork I and mean, he really you know as a guy who started out as like a, in this JPW was doing a CZW kind of thing for yep. when they first started and then became more of the, you know, was doing more ROH kind of stuff. I mean, in a way, invented a lot of the ROH stuff. ROH, at least very early, was just was just a J, was just doing, you know. Supercards, yeah. With supercards, but with like 75% JPW guys. <laughs> I remember, like, also the feeling about JPW was like that the card always looked better than the show actually was. Like, you would be so excited when you saw a card, then the actual matches were like. <laughs> I, I got a lot of time for JPW. I had some, okay. I, I saw some really, really great matches. Cool. Uh, alive. I got a. Um, we were talking about Necro. That the last your last great Necro run was in JPW. He was the teaming. He had a tag team with Brody Lee called the Hillbilly Wrecking Crew. That was doing a semi racist gimmick that they were racist. It was kind of a weird thing actually. But mm. and like I had some really really great matches. I don't, if you're looking for if you're looking, you know, when uh, I rewatched a, a couple of those after Brody Lee passed, and they, you know, as these are incredible, and that's kind of your the Ed, Necro is a guy who I you know a lot of thing was really really incredible around oh, this yeah. period, but, but didn't really have, he did not have a long run. I mean, unsurprisingly, for the amount of absolute lunatic bumps he would take in every match, but your Necro period was not it was like maybe yeah. four, four or five years. Yeah, I recently re- rewatched. He had a crazy match. I think it was Tod Six with Zandig that like everyone had no expectations for, and they went and just absolutely tore the house down. It was like just out of nowhere. So, and I think it was that might have been right before he was in Ring of Honor when Necro was. So, yeah. I guess yeah, between this match and him going to Ring of Honor, um, but uh, with with Homicide, he comes out with this big, big ass plank of wood. Yeah, and 
I remember hearing, like, I don't remember where, just in media around, you know, the match at the time, that, like, he just cut, like, a big, long sliver in the bottom of that piece of wood. And he comes out, and like, he cracks, I think, Kingston with it, right? Yeah, Over the head. yeah he waits Kingston with it. But it splits long ways, and it's like, it just, like, poof, explodes. And it was like, I forget where, it may have been in a shoot or something around then. I, I don't even think it would even be possible to find that now. But, yeah, just cut a nice, long slip down there, poof, Broke right in half over Kingston's head. Yeah, and then he comes in. He throws the the, the probably the coolest spot in the match is where he throws uh, where Necro's running at him and he cuts him off by oh throwing God. thumbtacks on the ground. And then Necro runs through thumbtacks in That's like a like, very yeah. very like wily coyote yes. kind of uh, move on uh, <laughs> uh, on Necro's part. And it's then like, uh, yeah. Homicide just grabs forks from his his boots and passes them out to everybody. It was just so good. What a, what a superstar Homicide was in this match. Goddamn, Homicide was great. I mean, he's still pretty good. I still like have some time for Homicide 20, you know, odd years later. But, man, at this period, he was just so, such like a compelling presence. The uh, Looney Tunes spot you were just talking about with the thumbtacks, it's like, you know, we're seeing this insane violence, especially like, you know, Necro's covered in blood. It's But it, like at some point, it sort of like crosses into slapstick almost. It's like... You know the the wrestling logic takes over of like Necro would be able to see these thumbtacks being poured out and stop running, but it's like for the it all makes sense in the. In I don't the, know. Uh, you know, do you think Necro's a guy with a tremendous amount of stop start athletic skill? <laughs> His fast twitch muscles. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not like you know, it's he's sure. obviously a pretty good athlete. Sure, in, in a weird way, but. Um, there was I, I'm not I'm not calling you out here. I just remember on another episode you were talking about strike exchanges. You know, I hit you, you hit me, and it's like, well, it's not really how a fight works. And I think it's like everyone just has their line, you know, right. of, of where because it's like all the things you take for granted, like an Irish whip, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like I'm sprunging back at you after you throw me at the ropes. It's like it doesn't make any, you know. So and don't get don't get me wrong. I love the thumbtacks thing. I thought it was it's funny. It's great. You sort of hear the crowd like realize it's about to happen and yeah. you know pays off so so great. You know, I think the line for me though, not that it happened in this match, but something so stupid. I can't believe that it's like any match would have this. Is like when uh, somebody slides out of the ring and then the opponent tries to slide after them, but they catch them in like the ring skirt and they're like they're like confused and upset. And it's like these are like world class athletes. Like. <laughs> Ring skirts. That was like no. a Finley spot. I like it's, the ring skirt. <laughs> what, what are they flummoxed? Like, what is happening? I get caught up in something. You ever like? Oh, you ever? It's a string. <laughs> you ever like? You know, take your pants. You ever like? You know, you you you, you, you get caught up in some pants. You take your pants off and you don't get them fully off, and then you trip. Does it happen to you? You know what? There was this one time where I was like in a fight with someone, and I was running after them, and they like pulled out a short piece of cloth and it like got captured around me and i got confused and upset so i should i should have realized that's i'm just saying that's that's <laughs> it. I get, that, you get you get pulled the skirt pulled out then you're not where you're supposed to be you're gonna get a little and then fit philly's gonna hit you with his forearm right in your head and it's gonna confuse everyone's you everyone's got a different line that's i got all you. i'm saying everyone's got a different line we're a guy who went to chikara shows you're fine with some. You're fine with the. You're fine with the hypnotizing by the the human snake, but some guy getting caught in the ring ring skirt doesn't do it for you. You know what? I think that we could use more human snake snake uh, representation in wrestling and and Pass. quite frankly, okay. Listen, oh, look at, oh look, Eric! Look, 
Darren Corbin's going to hit a button. Everybody's going to wrestle in slow motion. You're okay with that? Oh, look, right. what's going on? Well, first, to understand what's happening in this wrestling match, first you have to read this graphic novel. <laughs> And not only do you have to read it, you have to find like secret documents in like a locked <laughs> like file folder somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and also, yeah. I think I've turned into a beloved uncle in the internet wrestling world. I don't think I have haters anymore. I haven't had any in a while. Uh, yeah. I've gotten very, very a, a lovely response from this book and podcast. People are very nice. There was a period where around this time. Where there were some Chikara people who did not like me because I would, I was, in my snarkier days, I would spend a fair amount of time shitting all over Chikara. I mean, for me at that time, it was uh, the Hellertown venue was this like small little VFW. And it was just like, it was so cool. I mean, I've never been to, you know, the PWG Reseda VFW when that was still open, but this was probably the closest thing. I don't know. I don't really want to make a comparison having not been there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there were ants wrestling against, uh, you know, a, I don't know, a weird cat or something. But uh, within within the logic of, I'm not defending. I don't. I don't. Why am I defending what I the wrestling that I watched 15 years ago? I don't know. Well, we're talking about the wrestling we watched. I mean, this is, this is what this is, right? <laughs> very we're spending an hour this. on a yeah. podcast, yeah, talking about the wrestling. I mean, your wife I is mean, <laughs> your wife is nine months pregnant, and you're you're here, here with talk. me. Talking okay. about a match you watched live, uh, what is, this was what, uh, yeah, 17 years ago, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, just specifically Chikara, I don't know why I got on a defend them. That's uh, all right, I don't know why I started attacking them. They don't have anything to do with this match. I mean, I guess no. Claudio and Hero were Chikara we guys, Kingston's a Chikara guy. I suppose there's some Chikara representation in this. Yeah. Uh, I think probably Ace Steel was under the CM Monk mask or something like that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we both agree this match could have used more time travel sure. and comic books. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. They could have used it. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, again, it's just got so much booking in it, and it all kind of pays off, and I think really is testament to what great performers these guys were. I mean, you know, I, I think a lot of times, I mean, I think guys like Homicide Neck or guys who didn't get the didn't really get their moments as much. Hey, Necro was in the the, the wrestler of the he movie. Was in, he was in the wrestler movie. But I mean, you know, it's a guy who never Necro never got a never was on Raw, right? I mean, you know, Homicide never was on in TNA for a while, but that wasn't anything. Um, and you know, and, and really, most of these guys were kind of lost to history, right? Outside of I guess Dragon and Joe, who obviously weren't in this match very much. And Claudio, yeah, I, mean, I guess it was at a, a long sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, mechanic uh, career in, in the WBA as a guy, yeah. who, you know, stick in anywhere and, and fill the holes. It's funny, like you said, like Necro didn't end up on Raw. It's just like wrestling had become so fragmented at that point. But it's like there was a point where like a Raw main event was like Sabu versus John Cena. And it's like that's not something you ever could have imagined. Yeah. But it's like if AEW had come I don't know, a decade earlier or something. It's like, that's maybe where Necro ends up on TV in a main event. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, I mean, I, Nick, I, I yeah. think of Nick I think, Gage and Jericho. It's like, I can't true. believe that ever happened on TV. Sure. You know, that was great. I mean, and, and I think, you know, I mean, I think I imagine that if Necro Butcher was somebody who was physically able to wrestle, he probably would have ended up in, in some sort of AW spot. I would have guessed. 
Um, yeah, I, I heard he's working on a comeback for 2022, and I also heard his politics are great. <laughs> no, awful, awful person. Uh, yeah, it's a bummer. Because uh, I, I remember him being sort of like, I thought he was like a Dennis Kucinich left-wing guy at, around this period. Uh, so it's a bummer that, that that's happened. Uh, from, yeah, that's that he's shame. become like a MAGA dude. It's, it's a real... I mean, it's a guy who's had some head trauma. Is he really working on a comeback in 2022? Did you did you actually hear that? Because he is somebody who did not look like he looked like he was uh, he had leukemia when he wrestled. Yeah, he that was in, He was in. Yeah, that's uh, that was the last I saw him, and then there were pictures of him in poor health. But uh, I think maybe he was doing better. Um, as far as the comeback in 2022 thing, um, I did see that, but I don't know if the person was joking. Okay, I mean, I don't think he's vaccinated. <laughs> well, right? I mean, that would be which, what promotions uh, require that. I mean, I don't know. Do you, you know, don't think Brett Lauderdale's asking to see a fucking card at the. That's a good point. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good Sorry, point. Sorry, Brett. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, we had nothing but. I have nothing but fond things to say, I guess, sort of. Let's no, no, let's talk about vaccinated wrestlers. Let's and talk about vaccination Okay, let's let's talk about this match. Let's talk about this match. Who in this match do you think voted for Trump? <laughs> oh my god! Okay, so we know Necro did right. He's been active on it. I think Zandig's a guy who was very, very oh, uh, pro Trump. Oh, his whole house is covered in MAGA nonsense. Right. Yeah, there's a photo out there. Um, so I don't think Brian Danielson did. I don't think. Danielson may have did. voted for Jill Stein. Actually, I think Chris Hero did not. From my under, from my, I, uh, I don't think Eddie did. I think Hero's probably. I don't know why we're, you know, speculating their their politics. I think Hero's probably a lib uh, Hillary Clinton voter. Yeah, yeah uh, sure. Or, yeah, or Bernie, or a Bernie guy. Yeah, yeah. He may have gotten in, got in line for Joe. You know, uh, a steal. <laughs> I don't know enough about it. I B. mean, J. Whitmer. Maybe Adam Pierce, you're you're sort of you're sort of three lower level ROH guys, unclear. Pierce, Nate Pierce, Webb, Nate Webb feels like a, I don't know. Pierce at this point could have been, uh, and there may have been undue influence from the McMahon family on him to vote Trump. That's a good point, um, right? He's like a guy that he's part of, you know, Linda's that super pack. So yes. you know, maybe he's maybe he's she like she was in she was in the cabinet, right? Right, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Uh, that's right. I guess Adam Pierce may be your most success. You know, one of your most successful guys in this match, right? He got it's wild. Uh, you know, he's got a TV role well, in twenty twenty one. He was yeah. fine in this. He's a guy who bleed. He's a nice pile driver. Not a guy I ever thought was blew me away in the ring, but was a perfect, perfectly solid. You know, tech. You know, you kind of need some guys in there who aren't gonna, who are just gonna throw punches and take bumps and yeah. bleed. My other memory of him was we went up to New York for uh, it was it was the Manhattan Center Ring of Honor show, not in the Hammerstein, but the Manhattan Center. And uh, there was a it was when Austin Aries was the champion. I want to say this is like oh nine. And the, his surprise opponent was Petey Williams. And the whole crowd turned on the match for some reason. Like they just wanted to see a Canadian destroyer. That was it. And um, anytime someone went to the floor. Um, everyone in the crowd would harass the ref by saying Twinkies at him. Did you ever experience that in an ROH crowd? No. So it would be like one Twinkies, two Twinkies. It was bizarre. I can't speak on New York wrestling crowds, um, but I was right above where Adam Pierce was, like in their 
the gorilla position equivalent and he was just just so just steaming like looking at the, the monitor just as this match you know this big title match it was supposed to be a big uh you know uh a big thing on the card just totally did not work at all yeah i mean uh p williams was the guy who did the destroyer he ended up doing it, and the crowd loved it. Okay, yeah. So that was a that was a uh, I could I could see that maybe not. You know, there's you know ROH. I, I did this big piece on them for the ringer, and you know, rewatched a bunch of this stuff. It's like it's probably that some highs, but there was definitely some periods like anything where it was where they couldn't really figure couldn't get out of their own way. Um, and I think your Pierce your Pierce booked Pierce head headed oh. period was was a rough. I mean, this was kind of. Close to the end of ROH as a as something yeah. that I had a ton of time for, sure. for right? Like by 2008 was a yeah. at what point? Same. What point did uh, Seth uh, Tyler Black have the title? Um, that, I think that was 08 and 09 because he was feuding with Jerry Lynn, which was also possibly a, a reference to the wrestler. No, I think Jerry, definitely. I think Jerry Lynn winning the title was that was like he was the Randy the Ram analog. He, I mean, it was so funny. I remember during that period with the wrestler. Where they were like, you know, there was some real thought, like, oh man, this is going to lead to a real boom in indie wrestling. And it's like anybody could watch the wrestler and think, yeah, that's a fun scene. I want to get involved in. <laughs> like, is that a, is that a movie? I like the. I got lots of time for oh, the wrestler. I think it's a great movie, but great it's not a movie, movie where you think you where you would watch it and go, yeah, you know, like, I'm I'm not really ever been into indie wrestling, but watching this movie, the wrestler, <laughs> makes me want to get involved in it. No, it was, it was a yeah. sad. Horrible uh, <laughs> scene, and I can't imagine. Sort of, yeah, like an art house kind of movie. Where yeah, but the idea that anybody watched that and think, yeah, let me go ahead and buy a ticket to a to an ROH. Show. Someone, someone was like on on the border, and then they saw Chuck Taylor do like a that he does like an axe handle off the aerial assault box during the CCW scene, and uh, you know, then they decide, you know, that's how uh, you know someone joined the business after that. I'm it's, sure it's Chuck Taylor. Akira. That's your guy, right? Chuck Taylor. That's your dude. That I mean, invisible grenade. That's your favorite thing. Can't take oh, a ring skirt, yeah. but his invisible skirt, grenade. No. Invisible grenade. Now you know it's called kayfabe, and we both understand it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's. Do you want to talk a little about the the post match here? Yeah. So um, well, I'll just say that uh, the. Um, all of like the ROH students come in and they get the CZW guys out of there while Jim Cornette cuts an angry promo and he says something like, that's the last we'll ever have of their ilk in a Ring of Honor ring, something like that. And it's like, uh, by the way, come back next month. There's a match between Necro and <laughs> PJ <Right>. Whitmer. <laughs> but you'll never see these guys in here ever again. Right. <laughs> yeah. Only but, poor uh, Nate Webb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean... It's there's a lot of homicide stuff if you want to right uh, homicide and JJ Dillon of course homicide is accompanied by friend of the way of the blade pod Julia Smokes you can listen to Julia Smokes episode of the way of the blade that's available I uh, yes. love that guy I didn't have a huge role in this match but yeah they take them all out oh it's the student Shane Haggergorn and <laughs> and uh, Bobby Dempsey you know hey, uh, hey. hustle these dudes he's, out he's, here he's the top of the class trophy winner or whatever <laughs> that thing was that they. Put on every show, and they had a three-minute match for some ROH, reason. ROH uh, Wrestling Academy, not the, the the graduate. You didn't necessarily graduate. Anybody graduate from the ROH Wrestling Academy that ever did anything in professional wrestling? Sure, Red Titus was Red Titus in ROH. Ooh, that's a good call. There's he probably someone. 
someone we're forgetting who's like really good. I remember it was like Davey Andrews was someone that everyone was excited about, and then he mysteriously just vanished. Right. Um, oh, uh, Grizzly Redwood again had a run in Chikara. Uh, yeah. Apparently, I'm the Chikara guy here, but with Brody, he tagged yes. with Brody, right? Right, so no is the answer to that question. The answer I mean, is if, no. if what it is is that Riz, Grizzly Redwood wrestled some matches in Chicago. I mean, Chicago is a, uh, like a school that had guys who who ended up with a fair amount of success, right? Yeah, right, right, right. No, it's just funny you asked. Like, did these guys amount to anything? And my answer was, I remember a wrestling match. <laughs> I remember Grizzly Redwood was in a six man in Chicago. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay. So that's yeah. that's not a that's not a that's not a yes. I don't think. But yeah, Chikara definitely. Uh, I mean, I think it was, like they had a part in in training a lot of guys that kind of had went to a bunch of different schools. It's not like Hero only, you know, trained there and taught there. Or like Orange Cassidy, I don't think was all he was like jc Ryder or whatever right before he was fire ant so he probably trained somewhere else but i think um, i think you would you consider him a chikara guy i think you consider chuck i mean i think everybody you know probably started somewhere but i think you consider chuck taylor a chikara guy you consider kingston definitely started training in chikara I think a lot, true, true. you know i certainly think it's the more successful of your of your schools for your it's guys probably the most successful from that period i mean after that, it sort of turns to what, like the New York scene, uh, all of those those schools up there, and then like the West Coast. Like now, it's like Santino Bros. It's like if I've never heard of this guy from you know a West Coast promotion, I look it up. Oh, he trained in Santino Bros, and now that's like a little little badge of honor. A- AIW schools got some people oh, out of there. That's would be another place that. And now um, Tyler Black School, Black and the Brave. There's right. a bunch of dudes from there that are in GCW and going crazy, and that's really fun to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we have this angle, and and where is it like the idea that is it Carnet get grants him three wishes? Is that is that the is that the, it's kind of a fun idea? And one of his wishes is to bring back Loki. And was he ever brought back? No, and I, and I don't think they ever had any intention of bringing him back. This was '06. Um, I'm bringing up his uh, his cage match here. Let's see. Career, um, looking for the Ring of Honor logo. It looks like, yeah, no, no, no. I, I think this very much, and I don't think the, it wasn't like they. I don't think they ever were. They ever were planning on bringing him back. So yeah, I think like that, that was early like, 2006. He was there, and then never again. Yeah. Um, so it, it and so that was kind of the and then so Cornette obviously gets, you know, says that's the one I won't do. Right. I can't do this for you. You know, Loki never gets that, never gets that role. She was the greatest piece of ass I ever had, and he ruined her. It's going to make him a star. Like, he won't do it. He'll do anything else. But he won't, he won't give you Loki. Right. And then, obviously, this sets up, which never, I don't think this ever really got paid off. I don't remember the homicide cornet feud really doing a ton after this. Well, what were the other... What were the other two wishes? Was one a title match? I think one was a title match. I think well, because one... he ended up winning it from Danielson, I think, in like that at the final battle that year. That's true. Uh, yeah. But I, I ended up seeing him lose to Morishima in Philly shortly thereafter that. And he came out in his entrance and he just had that look on his face like, I'm going to lose. Like, it was just over. Like, we all, everyone knew. Like yeah. was, that was weird vibe. Well, he's one of those guys I think that you know isn't works great as a guy getting his moment, but maybe not as a 
as a, you know, I think in some ways, uh, uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing, but it feels like Adam Page is a little like that too, where it's like he's got a little homicide in ROH 2006-7-ish, <laughs> where it's like he's got it, he, the big thing was that he got there, and once he's there, unclear exactly what, what role he has as a guy holding it. Uh, we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, generally, I think it's mostly better in wrestling when a heel has the belt, right? And there's someone chasing him. And I think a lot of places will struggle when they actually pay it off. Yeah. And the guy, because it's like, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Brian won in WWE. It was like, now you're wrestling Kane for the belt. And it's like, okay, yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, they've been, been sabotaging him in that case. There's always like, there's always that, that place, that place is always kind of a nest of vipers. When it comes to that, it's like, oh, you got your hero, you got, you know, three, four guys who are going to look, look at the, tear you Bro. down. Bro, don't shit on WWE's booking, okay? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm defending Chikara in WWE. Yeah, that, yeah. That's the role you've come to play on this thing. Right? <laughs> Sorry, you're trying. You're trying to get the next uh, the next Raw theme. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to play the next like butt rock song for like at like a ta- NXT takeover. Yeah, yes. <laughs> amazing. Just saying, you know, we're going to play one of your songs at the end of the spot so folks can hear uh, hear your music. But uh, just imagine like you know, your tune is just like. You know, NXT, time to die. And it's like, ding, 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 ding. Now, that was sort of banjo sounding, but yeah, yeah. no. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, so I mean, I think it was a kind of, it was an interesting, like, moment in time, because I don't think the booking super works to set this match up great. And I don't think the, it works post this. But in this, like, match itself, it kind of works perfectly. Which, you know, that's the way a lot of wrestling is, right? Look, it's like, you can't... You got to kind of appreciate individual moments and not expect yeah. things to necessarily linearly pay off over the long term. Like Punk, when he won the WWE title, right? That was a moment. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, couldn't have fucked it up worse afterwards. But that doesn't mean that that moment wasn't what it was, right? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, when then all of a sudden he's like... <clears throat> You know, the punk holding, walking out with the belt turns into like a somehow a Triple H Kevin Nash ladder match. It's like, all right, yeah, of course you're gonna fuck this up, right? Like, but that's all right. And this didn't turn it really into anything. It turned into homicide. I guess homicide sort of winning the belt, but I don't really remember any great yeah. homicide cornet moments post this, right? No, um, but I mean, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It's like 15, 16 years later or whatever. It's like, I remember most of this match though, so. I don't remember too much around it with like ROH shows. I mean, like, who had the tag belt at this time? Uh. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I remember Super Dragon. Like, the other yeah. Super Dragon was the high point of that other stuff. And, I and don't you're know. right. He was missed in this match. He was really he, missed in this match. He's a guy I have uh, a lot of time for. I didn't really, couldn't really find a, a perfect Super Dragon bloody. He's not a guy who did a blood of blood in his matches because I looked around to stick Super Dragon in this book. He's a guy have a lot of time for us. A guy who basically looks like you, um, like if with his mask on, but it's a guy who can somehow turns, you know, like, you know, kind of bearded indie rock hipster looking guy, skinny white indie rock hipster looking dude into, I put that mask on and I'm Stan Hansen. And it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty, he's pretty incredible at, at somehow portraying this like aura of, I'm going to fucking kill everybody in this audience. For a guy who doesn't, you know, wasn't blessed with size or, you know, he wasn't staying handsome, right? Like, he's a six foot five, 325 pound ex football player. 
Um, and I'm not sure when those comparisons started and ended, but uh, you heard uh, you heard Phil call me skinny, so I just want everyone to know that <laughs> that uh, apparently I'm a skinny person. So that's right, skinny uh, legend. Okay. But you know what I mean. I'm not saying like you know. <laughs> yes. and no, he was like a. He started as like a high flying guy. He like had a few matches in like I think I want to say all Japan. That's always surprising. He was in yeah. all Japan for a minute. He was a guy who worked a, a Nitro Dark match. He was like. Uh, he worked the dark oh, nitro, nitro oh. yeah he worked the nitro dark match that got Blitzkrieg signed and you got the sense that he would have gotten signed except Blitzkrieg was doing all of his spots like, and but like a 3 inches higher like if you <laughs> watch the matches you can find the match on YouTube and like Blue Super Dragon also doing a lot of crazy eye spots but Blitzkrieg was you know like his leap on the, the, the Tope Claudio like did, did, Super Dragon clears the top rope and Blitzkrieg clears it by about a foot and a half and you're like oh, okay I gotcha like if Blitzkrieg <clears throat> wasn't there Necro, uh, Super Dragon would have had a Ray Jr. match in, in, on, a, on, a, on Nitro in 2009 um, I mean it's funny to think like Super Dragon stupid name um, honestly, stupid outfit, stupid gear, and it's like <clears throat> I don't know. You don't, you just don't think it would come together like it does. But that run was incredible. I mean, obviously PWG. I think he had some concussion issues, right? Came back, more concussion issues. But yeah, that run in the mid two thousands. I mean, he showed up uh, at one of their shows like a, like a, six months ago. Yeah, and then yeah. They, they, then never again. It's like you know they kept announcing all these other cards. I'm like, where's Super Dragon? You had Super Dragon show up. Why am I not <laughs> all seeing the wrestlers Super Dragon? should be asking where's Super Dragon when he's not on screen? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe maybe he's got a, some 2022 play. I mean, he owns that promotion, uh, or at least is a part owner. So it's like he's always around. Um, but he was a guy again in one of the. I mean, there was. The, it's interesting when you look back at this era and the guys in this era who became huge star, stars on, in national promotions and the guys who didn't for whatever reason. And it's not, it wouldn't necessarily be easy to predict who would and who wouldn't at this point. right? If you travel back to 2006 in our mind and go, okay, which one of these guys is going to be a you know, huge television star and yeah. which one of these guys are going to disappear? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it would have... It's weird because, like with Brian, it's like one hundred percent. It makes sense, but it's still it's still kind of a surprise that he had the run that he did. You know? Yeah, main event at WrestleMania, guy that size. Yeah. yeah. Or Punk, or you know, even like, you know, Seth Rollins has been the main. Or Steen is the one I always, I, I, mean, I find, sure. you know, you like that guy. You know, for a promotion, WWE is a promotion, a body had been a, certainly when we were growing up, such a body promotion. Have a guy with my physique. Uh, as like a guy who's been on their TV and top guys all belts and stuff, always very strange. Just got signed to a big contract, uh, you know. When it, it, he's not the guy. Him and Generico were not two of the guys in this period. I predict all oh, those guys right. are going to be on dub main stage on WWE TV for a decade, right? Yeah, you the, would think like, oh, the, the skinny, Bruce pale Canadian doing a the guys. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say, right? I, I even had this back, you know, a, a, a generation earlier. I used to go to Omega shows in North Carolina. Uh-huh. Used to go on road trips yeah. with Dean and, and Phil Rupp and some other Death Valley Driver guys uh, down to North Carolina to go to Omega shows. And, you know, with, with the Hardys and uh, all those guys. And, you know, if you'd asked me, well, who's, who are the two guys in this who are going to be big TV stars? The guys I probably would have said were Champagne and Venom, who were like the two guys who did out of that whole group who never ended up, you know, doing... <clears throat> Much, but Champagne was uh, Marty Garner. He was a guy who was a really good 
who's the best mic worker of all those guys and had a really good charisma. He's a good wrestler too. And, and first Venom, name Sham. First name Sham, last name Payne. All time, all time iconic, great. Uh, and then Venom uh, was Jason R. Who was like the guy who was big? He was like you know six three two seventy or Wait, something. That's Joey Abs, right? That was Joey Abs, right? Okay, who ended yeah. up? I mean, they, he ended up getting his legs cut all completely cut off by that gimmick. But those were the two guys. If you ask me who were the two guys, oh, I don't. You know, the Hardys are kind of skinny. Shannon Moore is tiny. Shane Helms is tiny. Like these yeah. guys that ended up being TV stars, and the yeah. two guys who who I who I would have picked uh, to get there didn't. Venom, I assume, was like a no-brainer, especially when he got signed. Like, well, that guy's going to be a big star, and just didn't for whatever reason. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe if it, I thought there was there was like a falling out or something. I don't know. There's probably some political stuff that was going on with him too, or personality stuff. I, I had some interactions with him back then. He always seemed like a nice guy, but you know, who knows, right? But and I think the same thing in ROH. I, I don't know. It's it's hard. Well, it would hard to think that any of them would. Right. But like Loki always seemed like a you know he was going to be a. Uh, a guy who was was one of the top, you know, most charismatic guys in that era, and obviously he never he ended up just you know, having a short comedy <laughs> WWE run. Homicide, yeah, I mean, homicide, same thing. Although again, homicide, both those guys are super short, but yeah, Joe and Brian, I guess, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, Joe and Brian makes sense. Yeah, Necro. I mean, I don't know. He feels like there, it feels like there might have been a might have been a, a role for him at some point that he didn't get, but. He was a hell of a he was a hell of a hell of a former and really great in this match too. And yeah, mm-hmm. un, unbeatable in two thousand six. All right, uh, do we have anything you wanted? Do we have any other points you don't think we covered about this match? We've talked about it a while. No, I'm, I'm I think I covered all my shit for covered, this. Match. Do we have anything more we want to say about Ace Steel? <laughs> I feel like we covered oh. Ace Steel that much in this. Gosh, yeah, no, we're gonna have to do like six or seven more episodes. I think just about Ace Steel to cover. Guy always kind of I was it's a lot of time for Ace Steel, but among, of your three guys, he's your, he's your one second city state who didn't get a. My buddy Tony is not called up to get on TV, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, Wait, didn't he like portray Trump once on Raw? He was on Raw portraying Trump once. Yeah. Well, he made it. I mean, there, there it is. Go. That's right. He's on TV. That's right. Um, all right, we're gonna uh, let's get some plugs. Sure. Um, so uh, listen to Seagulls on whatever streaming uh, platform you use. Um, and uh, we are, there are a few bands called Seagulls. Uh, we are not the punk one from Atlanta. Um, I don't have any beef with them, but I guess it's a common name. So there's actually, uh, there's a few different artists called Seagulls. So um, we got two records, uh, Great Pine and Throne Voice. Uh, you can also listen on our Bandcamp. Um, that way we, you won't get confused with any other Seagulls bands. Um, and uh, if you want to follow us on social media, it's Seagulls with no vowels, at S-G-L-L-S. Okay. And do you have, uh, do you have any uh, – are you in the process of working on another album right now? Are you going to announce um, anything? No, not Can you debut anything. a single on the on the way of the blade podcast? Um, so we have like a new song that we um, we put out. We didn't really release it during quarantine, but we had it on <laughs> during quarantine during COVID. Um, we had it just like on a stream. Um, but I mean, we're always kind of working on things because like we're not quite getting together yet. So we'll send parts to one another, kind of work on things. Um, but uh, no. <laughs> Short answer is no. All right. Um, so I'm, we're going to play a song on the outro. What you're going to? I'm putting you on the spot because you're going to tell me what song we're going to play on the outro now. 
Um, um, let's do uh, If Only, the one that I sent you the video for, uh, the one that you said was kind of like War on Drugs. Because okay. it's upbeat, and uh, people seem to like that one. All right, so we're going to so we're gonna uh, hear uh, Seagull's If Only on the outro. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Um, hey, uh, Mazel Tov on the new baby. And we'll, <laughs> uh, and, uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Way of the Blade. Thank you.